we just get overwhelmed because we're, we're so busy. And I mean, we're just overworked and we're overscheduled and our bank accounts are overdrawn. And man, we just, we just look at our lives and we go, man, I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm stressed and I'm maxed out and I'm checked out. And it's just like, man, I just feel so overwhelmed. The good news is this morning that I don't believe that that's the way God intends for us to live. How many of you are with me on that today? I I really believe that God wants to give you victory in your life. I believe that God wants you to have rest. And I believe that he wants you to have peace. And he he wants to help you with all the stress and all the struggles and all the stuff that goes on week to week, day to day, hour to hour in our lives. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And if you've been with us this past couple of weeks, we've had this kind of this statement, this key statement that we've been just kind of looking at every single week that's kind of just helping to drive through this series. If, if you've been here and you know it, I want you to say it along with me. It's on the screen there for you. It goes like this. When what I have is less than what I need or want, the result is stress. Everybody say that again. When what I have is less than what I need or what I want, the result is stress. And that's, that's where stress comes from. That's where being overwhelmed, that's where this feeling of anxiety, that's where these things come from. They come from this deficit in our lives. When what we have is not measuring up to what we need or what we feel like we need or what we want, we wind up feeling overwhelmed. And we've, we've discussed how this really breaks down in several different areas of our lives. In the first week, we talked about in our schedule, everybody say schedule. In our schedule, when, when I don't have enough time to do all the things that I need to do or I want to do, there's this lack of margin, there's this deficit, and what is the feeling? What is the result of that? result of that is that I start to feel stressed out. I don't have enough time to do all of this stuff, and so I feel overwhelmed by my schedule and by all the kind of stuff that I have to do. And we had this just key kind of bottom line thing when we talked about our schedule and the bottom line was this, you can't do it all. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And we talked about, hey, sometimes there are things that have to be shared. Sometimes there are things that have to be stopped. You just need to cut it out. And then all things need to be surrendered to God because you can't do it all, right? Then last week we talked about the area of money. Everybody say money. Money, 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 money. And we had a bottom line last week. And the bottom line last week was this, you can't have it all. So look at your other neighbor and say, you can't have it all. And what we discovered is this, that so many times we get stressed out because we don't have enough money to do all the things and have all the things that we really want to have. And it all stems from this this incorrect view of money. We think money's going to make me happy, or we think money's going to make me more important, or we think money is going to somehow make me secure, and we have an, a wrong outlook on money, which causes us to treat money wrong. And so what we've got to discover is that you can't have it all, and even if you do have it all, it's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to make you more important. It's not going to make you more secure. In fact, God says, I want to be the one who satisfies you. I want to be the one who gives value to you 
your life. I want to be the one who protects you and keeps you secure. So you've got to get a right outlook and a correct view on money so that you begin to spend it correctly so that you can have God's blessings upon your finances. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about one. It's a little, it's a little bit sticky here today. It's a little bit of a, tricky, of a tricky kind of a subject here today. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about people. How many know if, if your schedule's not stressing you out and your, your money's not stressing you out, here's what's going to stress you out. Are you ready for this? People. People are going to stress you out, especially as we head into this holiday time of the year. Thanksgiving is coming up pretty soon. Christmas is coming up pretty soon. And you get around people and relationships. And, man, sometimes people can stress you out. In fact, we've done a little survey every week. So let's do another survey this week. How many of you would be honest today? You've got to be really, really honest because some of these people might be even sitting in the room here with you today. But how many of you would be honest today and you would say there there are some people in my life that sometimes make me feel a little stressed out there are some people who just kind of drive me crazy come on some of you are like raising your hands like way up high. now don't point don't point at them here today that's just I saw some of y'all pointing that's that's just not even that's not even nice But the truth is, sometimes, am I right today? Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's not schedule. Sometimes it's people. And sometimes it's the people that we love the most. Sometimes it's the people that we see the most. Sometimes it's our own family. Sometimes that just, I mean, you just feel overwhelmed by these relationships. I don't have enough time to give to that person that wants so much time for me. I don't have enough energy to give to that person that wants so much from me. I just can't please all these people that are wanting me to do all this stuff in my life. And sometimes relationships and people, man, they can really, really stress us out. So this is what I thought we would do today. I just thought we would talk about people today. I thought we'd talk about those people. How many know what I'm talking about? Those people, right? I thought we'd talk about those people, and I thought we would just even get really real here today, and we would just even call them by name. We're going we're gonna to name some of those people here today. Some of you are like, Pastor, how do you know their names? Well, <laughs> the way that I know their names is because they have the same names as some of the people in my life. All right. And so just let's look at this. Let's look at some of the people that can stress us out sometimes. The first one is this. He goes by this name. His name is Critical Charlie. Anybody ever known a Critical Charlie? Come on, just raise, raise your hand. Now, if you're here and you're sitting back and you're like, I hate it that he asks us to answer those questions and raise our hands every single week. Well, let me just tell you, then I'm probably talking about you. <laughs> Critical Charlie. We all know one of these, don't we? Like, I mean, these people that just criticize and just nitpick and just everything you do, and you just can't do anything right. Maybe there's, maybe there's one in your neighborhood, and maybe they just, you know, maybe they just criticize. I mean, criticize your yard because you can't just, it doesn't look just right. Or it's just like, man, I can't believe they drive that kind of car. Or I can't believe that they do this or that. Or maybe, maybe it's a family member. Sometimes family members can be the most critical of all, and, man, they just stress you out and overwhelm you, and maybe it's 
it's like, you know, it's Thanksgiving time and you're, and you're, you know, you're like, I don't even really want to go to Thanksgiving because there's these people, you know, in my family and they criticize, and I just can't ever do anything right. And man, they criticize, I don't like the way you dress and I don't like the way, you know, you raise your kids or I can't believe you wear, let your kids act like that or watch that or wear that. And your life is, I can't believe you're going that direction with your life and you just get around and it's just like, oh, all they're going to do is just criticize, criticize, criticize. Maybe some of you today, you better just look straight at me as I say this. Maybe some of you today are even married to a critical Charlie. Some people, not other people, some people, some people. And man, they just, I mean, it's just like nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. Like, I don't like the way you comb your hair, and I don't like the way you the way you dress, and you just don't ever help out around the house, and you never put the toilet seat down, and you don't help with the dishes, and all you do is play Xbox, and, you know, you're just in love with the TV and the remote. And, man, you know, aren't you, didn't those jeans used to fit a little looser than they do right now? And... Critical Charlie, I mean, just criticize, 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 criticize. And here's the deal is that as we look through the scripture, we see all through the scripture that there were people who had to deal with critics. There were people who had to deal with with some critical Charlies in their life. And maybe you're here today and maybe you married someone that just doesn't seem to be fitting into your family. And maybe your family doesn't, you know, wasn't happy that you were marrying them. And, and maybe you would relate a little bit to Moses because uh, Moses in Numbers, I think it was Numbers chapter 12, his brother and his sister, they criticized him because he married a Cushite woman. And, and there are people throughout the scripture, even the apostle Paul, man, he was criticized over and over and he often was criticized because he preached too long. In fact, one time he preached so long that there was this kid that was sitting up in the windowsill on a second story, in the second story window. And Paul just went on and on and on. The Bible says he preached on and on and on all night long. And so this little boy, he fell asleep during the sermon. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And he fell asleep during the sermon and he was sitting in the windowsill and he fell out of the window on, from the second story and went down and, and he landed on his head and he died. And Paul had to go down and like raise him from the dead, right? And, and even Paul, even Jesus was criticized. I mean, Jesus, the son of God who was perfect in every single way. And yet they criticized him. They criticized him because he he had dinner with sinners. And they criticized him because he didn't obey, you know, all of the pharisaical laws. And because he healed and he preached on the Sabbath. And every single one of us have to deal sometimes with a critical Charlie. Second, the second person, we're just going to name him here today is a needy Nancy. Anybody ever known a needy Nancy? Some of, some of you right now, you're already thinking of a person. This is the person that their life is just always filled with drama. Everything is just drama, 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 drama. And I mean, it's just like, they are just like, the world is against me and everything is crashing in on my head. And it's just always pity party. And it's just always, I'm the victim and nobody loves me and nothing's happening. And I mean, it's every other post on Facebook. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? 
I, I mean, this, this is the person that you just hang up the phone with them and everything's fine. And then five minutes later, they're calling you back and going, hey, is everything okay? I just want to make, everything, make sure everything was okay. I just check in. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? This is the person that when, when, they, when they call and you don't answer because you saw that they were calling and so you didn't answer. And they leave a message, uh, and they leave like an eight-minute-long voicemail, right? Now, if you, if you leave eight-minute-long voicemails, nothing wrong with leaving eight-minute-long voicemails, but if you leave eight-minute-long voicemails, I just might be talking about you this morning. Needy Nancy, these are the ones that they just, come on, you know what I'm talking about? They just suck the life right, right out of you, you know? Come on, just be honest. Anybody know a needy Nancy? In fact... This is what I want you to do today. I want you to look at the person next to you. And if the person next to you is not a needy Nancy, if the person next to you is not someone that just sucks the life right out of you, but instead there's someone that just adds joy to your life, I just want you to look at them in, in, their, in their face and with all kinds of gratitude. I just want you to tell them, you complete me. <laughs> now, 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 now. If the person next to you is not one of those persons, if they are a needy Nancy, I just want you to look at them and I just want you to say, you deplete me. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We all have those kind of people in our lives. Critical Charlie, needy Nancy. Check out this third kind of person that overwhelms us and stresses us out sometimes. This one, I think we all know this one, probably in our family, I I don't know, but this one is called Bossy Betty, or maybe in your family it might be Bossy Bill, (laughs) but these are the people, and all of us know these kind of people, these are the people that they're kind of controlling, maybe even a little bit manipulative, maybe... You know, they always get their way, even if they have to manipulate just a little bit to get it. Like, they're going to get their way. Yeah, I heard this, I heard this kind of old joke about, about heaven. And supposedly in heaven, when you get there, you know, this guy died and he gets to heaven. And you get there and there's two, there's two lines. And there's one line and it, uh, under, uh, where the guys are standing under the line, there's this big sign. And it says, this is where you enter if you're a man who is not controlled by your wife. And so, like, there's, there's like this sea of men. I mean, as far as the eyes can see, they're all lined up under this sign. And then there's this other line and the sign says for men who are not controlled by their wife and there's one poor pitiful little guy standing in that line and so the apostle Peter he's looking and he's monitoring the line he sees this one with all these people and this other with this one poor guy standing in the line he goes over and goes excuse me sir what are you doing in this line and the man said I don't know my wife just told me get in that line and shut up you know (laughs) come on you gotta work with me because that's like That's best I got this morning. The truth is, there are people who will control, boss, and manipulate. And the sad part about that is, is many times those people are family members. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a mother-in-law who's just, I mean, stressing you out because they're just always in your business, always telling you what to do. Maybe it's a spouse. I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's even the kids. 
I mean, I've seen families before where I'm looking at it and I'm going, who's in charge of that family, the mom and dad or the kids? Because the kids are the one that are constantly getting their way. And, and these are the people that will, they will manipulate and they will, they will control and they'll, they'll use a couple of different tactics. They might use threats. Like, if you don't do what I want you to do, like, they're not going to say it just this bluntly, but what they're saying is, if you don't do what I want you to do, then we're not going to come see you for Christmas. If you don't do what I want you to do, then we're not going to let you see the kids. If you don't do what I want you to do, then we're not going to keep the kids, right? And it's just like kind of this manipulative kind of like a threatening type thing. Another, another tactic that they might use, they might use guilt. Well, if you loved me then you would do this or you would go there or you would, you would, and it's like, but you don't love me. If you really loved me, you would do this. Come on. I'm like hashtag good preaching this morning, right? I mean, this is good, right? And the thing, the thing is, is that we're all laughing because we know it. We even see this through the Bible. We see this in the story in Genesis, this guy uh, and his brother, Jacob and Esau, and uh, Esau was the older brother, and he liked to hunt. And then Jacob was the younger brother. And because Esau was the older brother, he had the birthright. And Jacob, was, he wasn't very happy about that. He wanted to have the birthright for himself. He wanted to have that. And so one day uh, Esau was out hunting, and he was tired, and he was hungry, and he comes in. And Jacob has been cooking a bowl of stew. And as Esau comes in, man, the stew just, it just, you can smell it. It's, he's so hungry, and he's so tired. And Jacob sees this as an opportunity to manipulate the situation. And he says to his brother, oh, you're so hungry, and you're so tired. Why don't you let me give you a bowl of my stew? Let me give you a bowl of this soup. And Esau's like, man, that sounds really good. And Jacob says, this one thing that you got to do for for me, you, you give me the birthright. You give me my right to the Father's blessing, to the inheritance, and I'll give you a bowl of soup. And in this kind of power play, Esau or Jacob just kind of manipulated his brother to get what he wanted. And we see that in relationships so many times, and unfortunately, sometimes it's even in families, and it's even with people that we love, and sometimes it might not even be that, that they are trying to hurt us. Sometimes it's even because they, they're trying to help us, but they just somehow, they just want to get their way in the situation, and maybe even find yourself, I don't even really want to be around that person anymore, and you find yourself stressed out because, you know, I'm supposed to love that person, and you're overwhelmed by these people in your lives, these critical Charlies, these needy Nancys, these, these ones that, that are manipulative and controlling and bossy, and you find yourself overwhelmed, and you say, Pastor, I find myself just stressed out as we go into the holidays, and we know this is supposed to be a happy time, but it's not a happy time because I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed about this stuff. Pastor, what do I do? Here's what you do. You ready? Pray. Everybody say Pray. Now, doesn't that sound like kind of, kind of like the Pat kind of church pastor kind of an answer? And it seems too simple and it seems too easy. But 
I think there's something really powerful about it. And so today for the rest of this message, what I want to do is I want us to just kind of go through four prayers that I think that we should pray that will help us to deal with these overwhelmed feelings, with this stress that comes from relationships. And so the first prayer is this. And if you have your notes or your U version, I want you to write this down or underline, circle, whatever. The first prayer is this. God help me to live for your approval only. What do you do when you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed by people? What do you do when you're stressed out and overwhelmed by that critical Charlie in your life? You pray this prayer. God help me not to live to please others, but instead help me to somehow begin to live my life to only please you, to only live for your approval. Because here's the deal. There will be critics, and you will never please them. In fact, here's the bottom line for this sermon here today. You ready for the bottom line? The bottom line is this. You can't please everybody. You can't. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work at it, you will not please everybody. And the fastest way to become overwhelmed and stressed out, the quickest way to be unhappy is to live your life trying to please everybody. You can't do it. And when it comes to critics, here's the deal. You can't win. Because guess what a critic is? A person who criticizes That's their job. That's what they do. So no matter what you do, if they are a critical Charlie, you're not going to please them because their job is to criticize you. So you've got to decide, I'm not going to try to please them. I can't please them. I can't please everybody. And here's the deal. Their approval doesn't really matter anyway. Now, that doesn't mean be mean or rude. That just means you realize, you get in your heart and you pray. And you say, God, help me to understand that I cannot please everyone. And help me to live for the only approval that really matters. It's his approval that really matters. And so I'm only going to live to please him because I can't please everybody but I can live in a way that is pleasing to him that's what the apostle Paul was talking about in this passage in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 apparently there were some preachers who were kind of preaching a watered down message kind of like the way we do it around here no we don't I'm just kidding they're preaching this watered down message And they were kind of just sugarcoating the truth and whatever. And apparently Paul was being criticized because he was a a straight shooter. He just told it like it is, kind of like I hope we do around here. And Paul speaks to these critics. And look what he says in Galatians 1 and verse 10. He says, obviously, everybody say obviously. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul says, hey, it's not a popularity contest here. And I know I'm going to be criticized. Guess what? I'm not living my life. I'm not doing my ministry. I'm, I'm not doing it for other people. I'm doing it for God. And I'm living my life to please Him and Him 
alone. Here's the deal. If you really surrender your life to Christ and you truly live the way he wants you to live, there will be times when you make decisions that people won't like. There will be times when you have to do things or say things that maybe your family member's not going to like. Maybe your neighbor's not going to like. Maybe that friend or that loved one may not like it because there are times when you have to make decisions as a Christ follower that are not popular decisions. But you've got to decide, who am I living for? Am I living to please these people around me even though I love them? Am I living to please them or am I living to please God? And Paul says, if I were living to please everybody else, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so I've got to decide that there's an audience of one, that I'm only living for his approval. And I've got to pray, God, help me not to worry so much about what other people think and help me to worry more about what you think. Help me to live a life that is, that is doing what you have called me to do. Because you're not always going to please Uncle Bill and Aunt Betty, and you're not always going to please mom or mom-in-law or dad-in-law, but you can live a life that is pleasing to God. And here's the thing, is that one day we're going to stand in judgment, and the person sitting behind that judgment desk, that judgment seat is not going to be your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle or your neighbor or your friend. The person sitting at that judgment seat is going to be Christ himself. That's why it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, we're only going to give, we're not going to give account to anybody else. We're only going to give account to him and to him alone. And I want to be able to stand on that day and I want to be able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You lived your life to be pleasing to me, and you, you weren't worried so much about what everybody else thinks. Now, I'm not talking about being mean and ugly. I don't mean that at all, and there are ways that you can, that you can live to please God without being, being rude to others. Come on, help me out on that. But at the same time, I, hey, it's God that I'm trying to please, and I, you may like it and you may not, and I hope you do. If you don't, we'll agree to disagree because I'm, I'm living my life to please God. Number two. We're going to pray this, God help me to give people what they really need, not just what they think they need. See, when it comes to needy Nancy's, the drama person in your life, here's what you're going to have, and this is why I'm calling it a prayer, not just like a point in the message, because you're going to have, it's going to take prayer, because it's hard. This stuff's hard. This, that's, why this, that's why this message is kind of sticky and kind of tricky this morning because this stuff is hard and you're going to have to pray. God, help me with this person in my life that's constantly dragging me down, that's constantly sucking the life out of me, that's constantly just needy, needy, needy. Help me to give them not just what they think they need. Help me to give them what they really need. We, we see this kind of thing happen in Acts chapter 3 with Peter and John. They're going to the temple to pray. And as they're going to the temple to pray, they, they come across this man who the Bible says has been crippled since birth. And there he is. He's sitting there at the gate. And ever since, I mean, ever since birth, he'd been crippled. So probably most of his life, he would have people that would bring him out to the gate. And he would be there at the gate. And he would beg. And he would say, give me alms. Give me money. And so he was constantly saying, I need money. I need money. I need money. But on this day, Peter and John, they see this man who they had probably seen many times before as they'd probably gone 
gone to the temple many times before, but on this day, something was different. God opened their eyes to see something different, to not just see what the man thought he needed, but to see what he really needed. And he said, give me some money. And Peter and John looked at him, the Bible says, and they said, silver and gold I don't have. In other words, I don't have any money, but what I have, I'll give to you. And they reached down their hand and they picked up the crippled man and the power of God, the Bible says, came into the man's feet and his legs and his ankles and he stood up and he began to walk and he began to run around the room walking and leaping and praising God. How many know we would all probably be doing that if we'd been crippled since birth? And on this day, this man who had been needy since birth and people had been giving him what what they thought that he needed and what he thought that he needed. But on this day, God helped Peter and John to see beyond what he thought he needed to what he really needed. And they said, you don't need money. Your feet don't work. What you need is you need the power of God in your life. And they didn't just give him what he said he needed or thought he needed. They were able to give him what he really needed. And when it comes to those needy Nancys in your life, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to ask God, God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. God, help me to be able to know what they really need, not just what they want. Because here's the deal is all of us, we, we have compassion for people. That's, I mean, if you're a Christ follower, then there's a compassion in your heart. And so you want to help people. You want to help people. You want to help people. But sometimes these needy people will suck you dry. And so you have to realize, I can't just give them what they think they need. I've got to give them what they really need. And God, you've got to give me discernment and wisdom and help me to know what that is. For some, it might be, it's just constantly, I need money, I need money, I need money, I need money. And the Spirit of God might just speak to you and tell you, they don't need money. What they need is a job. And not just a job, but a 40-hour-a-week job. And and it's difficult, but it might be that you have to just say, hey, I can't give you money, but let me help you to find a job. Because see, if you you give them what they think they need, here's what it's going to give them. It's going to give them relief when what they really need is they need restoration. So you give them relief and, okay, now I've got some money. Now I'm back on the couch playing Xbox. And you just enable them to continue to be a needy person. Well, I need $570 for my, for my car payment. No, 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 no. What you need is you need to sell the $35,000 car and go get you a $3,500 car without a car payment. But I just need you, I just need you to be there and you're just not there for me and you haven't called me in seven minutes and I'm devastated <laughs> and I just don't know if I can, if I can make it without you. How can I live without you? And, no, 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 no. What, what you need is you need to realize that I can't meet that need in your life, that there's a God-shaped hole in your life that can only be filled by the presence and the power of God. And I will love, love you and be there for you, but I'm going to love you in a way that's going to help you and not in a way that's going to hinder you. And what you really need is you need to find what you need in your relationship with God. Come on. God, help me. God, help me to give people what they really need and not just what they think they need. Number three, God, help me to set healthy boundaries. When it comes to that bossy Betty or bossy Bill, that manipulative type of controlling kind of person in your life, here's what you got to do. You got to pray. God, help me. 
Help me to be able to set some boundaries in this relationship. And and you, that doesn't mean that you, doesn't mean you're rude. Doesn't mean that you're that you don't have compassion. Doesn't mean that you're unkind. But you got to learn to say this word that we learned last week. How many remember the word that we learned last week? Some of you remembered how to say it. Some of you, you don't remember how to say it. So we'll just do it again phonetically here this morning. Are you ready? You put your, put your tongue on top of your mouth. You go like this. Everybody do that. Right? All right. And then you open your mouth and you make like a oh like that. And you go, oh. Everybody say, oh. Then you put those two together. It goes like this. No. Come on, do it again. No. Have you noticed that in this series, one of the things that's keeping us overwhelmed all the time is we don't know how to say this word. When it comes to our schedule, we don't know how to say, no, sorry, that's a good thing, but it's not the best thing, so I'm going to choose the best thing instead of the good thing. When it comes to our, to our finances, what gets us in trouble is we see something, we have to have it, we spend more money than we make, and it doesn't even matter how much we tithe and how much we give. If we're spending more than we make, we're still going to be in trouble, and we've got to learn how to say this word, no. And when it comes to relationships, especially when it comes to the bossy Bettys and the bossy Bills in our life, Sometimes, in a very kind way, but we need to learn how to say no. We, learn, we need to learn how to set some boundaries in our lives. This is what we see happening with Jesus and Peter. Look at this in Matthew 16 and verse 21. I love this. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he would be raised to life. Then Peter took him aside. Don't you know that's kind of how the bossy bills and Bettys work, the manipulative people? They kind of take you to the side, right? And they're going to, you said something, and they're going to take you over there and straighten you out, right? And that's what Peter was going to do. He's like, Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be beaten and killed and whatever. And then when he's done, Peter just kind of takes him to the side. And he's like, he's going to straighten Jesus out, you know? Peter takes him to the side. And he rebuked him. Just imagine that. Peter's rebuking Jesus. And he says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Then Jesus turned and said to Peter, look at this. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter's trying to manipulate Jesus. No, you don't want to go to the cross. You want to rule and reign, and I want to rule and reign with you. He's trying to straighten him out and tell him exactly how it needs to be done. And Jesus looks at him. You talk about setting a boundary. You talk about saying no. He looks at him, and he says, get behind me, and he calls him Satan. Now, why does he do that? Well, he does it right here because he says, hey, you are going to be a stumbling block to me doing what God wants me to do. So he says, he says, hey, no, he sets a boundary. So next time your mother-in-law is trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do, you just look at her and you just say, get behind me, Satan. No, don't do that. Okay. That, that's not going to work very good. But what I do want you to realize is this. Okay. Sometimes Some of y'all are thinking too hard about that. (laughs) Listen, sometimes even well-meaning people, even family members, even good friends who love you, they, they might even have your best interest at heart. 
But sometimes they will try to get you to do what they want you to do instead of what God wants you to do. And it can, it can become a stumbling block, a hindrance to you fulfilling God's plan for your life. Look at this. You think Peter loved Jesus? Of course Peter loved Jesus. Why was Peter telling Jesus, you don't want to go to the cross and do all of that? Why was he trying to straighten him out? Well, there's a couple reasons. First of all, because Peter didn't want that to happen, because Peter wanted to rule and reign with Jesus on the earth. He didn't want, right? But secondly, because Peter loved Jesus, and he didn't want Jesus to go through all of that pain and that agony that he was going to go to on the cross. And so he was, he was trying to kind of help him to see things his way. And Jesus realized that that's going, to stop, that's going to hinder me from doing things God's way. And so he had to set a healthy boundary. And there may be times in your life where you have to set some boundaries where even good friends, even family members, even well-meaning people in your lives may try to, may try to control you a little bit or try to get you to see things their way. And, and maybe you just, have to, you just have to say, hey, I can't do that. That's not what God has called me to do. I mean, you may have to say, you know, there may be some that are just, they're trying to get you to, hey, why are you, why are you doing all that church stuff all the time? And, you know, you're always at the church now, and you, there's, you're never with me, and that ministry that you're trying to start, I mean, why are you doing that? And, and you just have to look at them and say, hey, I love you, but this is what God's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Parents, some of you, you just need to look at that kid, and you just need to say, you can roll around on the floor and flop around like a fish all you want, but you ain't getting no candy. And in fact, when we get home, you ain't getting candy for a month because of the way that you acted. And you got to set some healthy boundaries. God, help me to live only for your approval. God, God, help me to give people what they need and what they really need, not just what they think they need. God, help me to set up some healthy boundaries in my life. Number four, God, help me to see my own tendencies to be critical, manipulative, or needy and surrender those tendencies to you. See, so far in this message, we talk about everybody else. It's always more fun to talk about everybody else. And it's always easier to see those tendencies in everybody else. But this is why I made this prayer the last prayer, because this, this prayer, it involves every single one of us. And here's the deal. Sometimes I'm the one who's needy. Sometimes I'm the one who's bossy and trying to get my own way and trying to get everybody else to see things my way. Sometimes I'm the one who's being too critical and too harsh of others. And so sometimes when I'm pointing the finger at everybody else, I've got to realize that there's three, there's four fingers that are pointing right back at me. And I've got to realize that sometimes I'm looking at everybody else and going, if my spouse would be that way, then our marriage would be good. If my parents would just do what I want them to do, then our relationship would be good. If my friends would just all get in line and do things the way I want them to do things, then everything would be good and everything would go great. And sometimes we're looking at everybody else and we got to start looking at us. Am I being the one that's being too harsh and critical? Am I the one who's being too needy and sucking the life out of those relationships and I need to give some people some space? Am, am I the one? Is it me? And God help me to see it. Help me not to just look at the faults and the failures and the, and the flaws of other people and help me to look 
myself. 